You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is Michael Litchens, the editor of CatholicExchange.com with you once again. Jessica Archuleta, who is our blogger, you might know her from EveryHomeAMonastery.com. Also, she has Lessons from a Monastery that's published every Wednesday on CatholicExchange.com. It's great to always have one of our CE writers give you an idea of what we write about, what we're trying to do here at CE. Jessica, thank you so much for coming. Welcome. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. And now to start us off with, Jessica, for anyone who might be new, tell us a little bit about the project you have currently at Every Home a Monastery. Um, well, my husband and I started the blog um, not quite a year ago. The idea behind the blog is that uh, in the Eastern Catholic Church, where we're Romanian Greek Catholics, monasticism has always been seen as a reference point for Christianity. We've gone to Holy Resurrection Monastery for 17 years now, and we wanted to use the experience that we have as um, we're monastic associates, which is like an oblate in the Latin church. We wanted to use that experience that we have to help to explain what it means that monasticism is a reference point for um, the entire church. So that's why we started. That's why we started the blog. Great. And you bring some of those lessons over here every Wednesday uh, that I edit in many of our readers see lessons from a monastery. How long have you been with the Holy Resurrection Monastery so far? Well, it's been around 17 years now. Um, wow. uh, There's a few years that we had moved away, and then they had actually moved from California to um, Wisconsin, where we all live now. Um, so there was a year break there. But, you know, we've known them for that long. And uh, just for our listeners, most of our listener base is of the Latin Rite Catholic Church. Many folks don't know that there are different rites. Can you tell us a little bit about the Romanian rite and the Eastern rite in general? Um, sure. The Eastern Catholic churches are one of, well, we belong to the Romanian church, which uses the Byzantine rite. There are, I think it's 22 different churches in within the Catholic church that are all um, in full communion with the Pope of Rome. Um, mm-hmm. So we're all equally Catholic. Our church happens to come from... Romania. Um, and like I said, we use the Byzantine Rite. And uh, for many of our listeners out there, I think most of them know now, by now I actually attend the Melkite Rite, which is a similar rite. Uh, it's a very, any of you, if you're anywhere near a Byzantine Catholic mo- monastery or church, please go. It's really worth it, especially right now we're in Easter. It's well worth your time. Back to you, Jessica. I did want to also ask, uh, so you started the website. You're now publishing on CatholicExchange.com. Once mm-hmm. What are some of the lessons you've really over this over almost two decades now that you've really learned that have helped you understand what the Christian life is like? Well, you know, the blessing of going to monastery um, is seeing the example that monastics um, give to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess when I say, you know, about the monasticism being a reference point for Christianity, Pope John Paul II talked about that in his encyclical Orientale Lumen. And what that means is that, you know, sometimes people will think we don't have to take people that aren't religious, you know, monks or nuns, don't have to take their Christianity as seriously as monastics do. And that's Mm -hmm. not true. Um, And that's what the blog is about. And that's what the lessons that we've learned that even though we're married or, you know, you're a single person living in the world, God asks the same thing uh, of all of us. Um, Monasticism is just a, it's a vocation that enables the monk or the nun to focus very intensely on on their Christianity, on on God, and um, they're able to, you know, leave the world and sort of strip themselves of distractions. As Christians, we're all called to full communion with God. We're all called to be saints. And 
having the monks as an example has taught us, well, we're able to see how seriously that we need to take our own Christianity, but we're able to um, sort of see their examples of their lives of prayer, their lives of hospitality, and um, we're able to learn how, we've been able to learn how to incorporate that into our own um, lifestyle, into the vocations that we have as married people and as parents. I do know that a lot of people both East and West, we don't always look at the monastics to learn lessons. In fact, even my, my boss actually thought uh, when he was looking at the lessons for a monastery, he said, oh, wait, isn't she a nun? I said, no, no, she has children and a husband. She just lives <laughs> near the monastery. Yeah. <laughs> it took him a while to explain. Uh, it took a, me a while to explain, like, no, the monastics do have a central place within the East. And has that been your response? Like, people always, do you find that like, when you talk to people outside of the monastic community that sometimes they're like, oh, you're what's a monastic associate themselves asking you well what's an associate and what can you do as a mother with children in the monastery is it kind of strange to people outside of the area sometimes sometimes it is Mm -hmm. you know usually if i explain most people understand what a third order oblate is um in the latin church so that you know i'll use that terminology to help explain that but every now and then we do run into somebody who kind of actually gets a little offended by the uh the name of our blog or the message that we're trying to give um and we try to explain that we're not saying uh that people need to live their lives exactly the way that monks and nuns do you know we don't need to all go run around in habits and spend hours praying and what have you so usually if i'm given the opportunity to explain what we mean people will calm down but it, it 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 does get people's attention. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I think any form of radical Christianity in this life does get people's attention. So yes, you're doing true. a good thing there. <laughs> if you don't mind, uh, just for clarification, what is the difference between a monastic associate and a third order oblate? Is there a difference, really? Not really. You know, in the Eastern churches, they don't. It's not traditional to have oblates. Right. So the monastery, though, um, Holy Resurrection, you know, people had requested it. They wanted to have a more formal way to be associated with the monastery. So the monks. Um, answered those requests by starting the monastic associate uh, program. There really isn't a difference. It's not really, well, I guess the difference would be that the associate program is probably not as formal as third orders are. And that's really kind of what the idea of our message is, is that it's just in the Eastern churches, it was always seen as being more normal that people lived around monasteries, that they would associate themselves with them. You know, it was always sort of looked on as something really special to be able to travel to the monastery and visit for feast days and, you know, have your children baptized there. And uh, monasteries are very much more a normal part of the Eastern life, I guess. Right. So that's why I, I, I think that's probably why they didn't have third orders, because it was just more normal. <laughs> more, it, was, it wasn't thought of as something that you needed to have this sort of distinct distinction about. Um, but the monks went ahead and started the program because so many people requested it. Just at the average, like at Holy Resurrection, how many monastic associates would you say there are? Oh, um, you know what? I'm not sure. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's quite all right. I was just curious. And I know Holy Resurrection is currently, they're expanding. They're in that new building, as you mentioned, in uh, Wisconsin. Can you tell us a little bit about what they're undertaking? Well, you know, the the move from California to Wisconsin has been a really huge one for them mm-hmm. um, in lots of ways. Uh, moving into the larger building, they've been able to um, accept new guys coming in. Um, when they were in California, their buildings were older. They were small. The monks didn't even have proper um, rooms for themselves. So uh, making the move has, has been a huge blessing for them, and they're able to 
welcome guests. They have guest rooms now, and they have a lot more rooms available for the new guys that are interested in becoming monks. You know, the trouble with it only is that the building's um, very old. It's a historical building. It needs a lot of maintenance. A lot of work um, needs to be done. So, you know, it's a huge blessing that they have it, and they definitely need some support and help, though, in updating the building and uh, making things a little bit more livable for all the new guys that they've got coming in, because they really have grown since they've moved. It's It's been wonderful to see. Yes, it has. And a lot of you listening right now will know a little bit about the buildings that they're needing to take care of. We've done a few of the monks with some fundraisers, and we'll be putting links there. If you can give, please do. And for Jessica, you need to ask, uh, what's it like to have your children so involved? It sounds like they're pretty involved in the, mon- the monastic life in a way. As you and your husband are associates, your children go to the monastery and have a pretty good life there? Um, yeah, they do. You know, it's... Uh... It's a it's it's a wonderful blessing to see. My children don't think anything of it because it's just their of normal course. life. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Sometimes people ask or they'll ask them and the kids just kind of look at them like, what are you talking about? It's the monks, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my oldest daughter's 18 now and she's kind of last couple of years had some perspective in realizing that her life isn't necessarily normal, you know, for the average uh, churchgoer. But it's wonderful to see, you know, they have the example of not only the monks, but also the extended community members that um, we don't see them very often now, now that we've moved. But, you know, we still have lots of visitors that come through that we've known for years and seeing the examples of those people's lives. And it's it's a wonderful blessing to have the kids around, around the monks and the monastery and the people that come. And, you know, we're always having visiting priests or the bishops or just, you know, other lay people that come through. And like I said, it's normal for my children, but it I know that it's its a wonderful blessing for them to, to be here. Absolutely. I didn't actually see – I joined the Catholic Church as an adult, and I didn't see monastics until I was well into my mid-20s. So I was yeah. – <laughs> yes, your daughter at 18 is very blessed to have grown up around monks. I'll say that much. What role do the monks play in your daily spiritual life as a family? Well, um, I guess I would go back to you know seeing their example uh, all mm-hmm. these years. Their dedication, their daily dedication that they have definitely makes us take our own spiritual life daily seriously. You know, um, we strive for daily prayer as a family. We don't always do it because life gets a little crazy, but, um, of course, <laughs> you know, we strive for morning prayers and evening prayers and, you know, just having, uh, our faith being a everyday part of our lives. You know, we homeschool the kids and that our faith is a huge reason why we do that. Um, it allows us to, follow the church calendar you know we we go to every feast day we take those days off of school and we spend all holy week in church and we celebrate bright week and um it it really is has made the way that we live our everyday life revolves around the church year and that would definitely be from seeing the example of the monks doing that you said you homeschool your kids if you don't mind me asking how many kids have you homeschooled so far well, the I've got one in first grade, third grade, two in fifth grade, and then my um, oldest is finishing up high school right now. So I've got four that are in school, and then the the, the younger ones are, you know, preschool ages. So wow! And if all of you didn't appreciate how much work Jessica does in her writing, you should appreciate that right now. <laughs> how many kids she's homeschooling and bringing it up in the Christian life? Uh, I can't believe she does it myself, but we're glad she does. So with the kids, it's really the example of seeing the monks in their daily life that allows your kids to grow up. Do you notice that uh, you said you have an 18 year old? Do you notice uh, when they're playing with other kids or as they're going into the year oldest is about to go into the world that they have a deeper spiritual connection from growing up with that example? Um, Yes, it definitely seeing, you know, my, my oldest Scarlett, seeing how she 
views life, the things that she thinks about, you know, her faith completely has shaped who she is. And again, being around these, all the different examples, it, it has uh, influence on her. Absolutely. And I'm sure uh, moving from California to Wisconsin has also had a spiritual influence, especially after this winter. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Now, are there activities within the monastery where they really, would you say the mon- the monks are welcoming to families and really able to help support families and marriages, even with though they're consecrated, that they're still able to do so while they're acting as monks? Oh, yes, absolutely. Again, and it's more, I think, an Eastern thing, not necessarily a monastic thing, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the Eastern Church, our children are baptized, confirmed, and receive communion all at the same time. Right. So there's... The idea that children should be in church receiving the sacraments right from the beginning, you know, mother's chapels and things like that are foreign to the Eastern churches. Having our children be there uh, present for the feast days, you know, we know that if they weren't there, they're not receiving the sacraments, they're not receiving communion like they already have been and should be. And same thing with marriage, you know, Father Nicholas has always said, you know, marriage and monasticism are not, they're the same side, uh, uh, they're different sides of the same coin. Right, and they're not. Um, there's not a huge distinction between the different vocations in the Eastern Church. It's not traditionally. It's just a different way that you live out your Christianity, um, and, and not really that different. But you know, we're all striving after the after the same thing. So yes, the the monastery is very open to families. There's uh, another family actually that recently moved um, from Virginia to Wisconsin. They used to be out in California. They moved here too to be by the monastery. Oh, wow. um, the monks have always been open, you know, and always been helpful with, with uh, the the extended community that that attends the monastery. And of course, being monks, they're also spiritual directors. You know, some of them are. Most people are able to go to them to help out with whatever issues that you're having, or if it's family stuff. Or they certainly have been helpful to my own family. You know, Father Nicholas actually married um, married us, so um, all my children have been baptized there. So. Yes, definitely. They've they've been a huge help. The fact that they're um, you know, celibate men <laughs> doesn't uh it doesn't it's not a huge distinction. It doesn't make them completely different from us, like a lot of people like to kind of think of, you know, we all have these ideas about I think religious in our minds that really aren't always true. So Ain't that the truth. Yeah. <laughs> they're very very much human, very much normal. <laughs> yes, and I've seen that firsthand, especially with some of the jokes some of the monks love to play on me on Facebook. I've seen that firsthand. <laughs> very, very human. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to go back a little bit earlier in history, what made you want to get involved with the as a monastic associate? What made you want to grow closer to this monastery? Well, you know, when my husband and I started going to the monastery, we weren't actually married yet. Um, we were in um, RCIA together um, in the Latin church. Um, okay. I was I was baptized Catholic as a baby, but I wasn't raised Catholic. Um, my husband grew up Catholic, but more like an Easter Christmas kind of a Catholic. Uh-huh. So when we met, we ended up um, pregnant, and that scared us enough to go back to church. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that created an issue because my uh, husband wanted to baptize our daughter. And um, I wanted her baptized too, but not in the Catholic Church. So suddenly it was like, oh, we have a different religion, you know, and uh, it became an issue for us. So long story short, um, I ended up going back to the Catholic Church. We both joined RCIA together to be confirmed. And some friends of ours invited us out to the monastery. Uh, so we decided to go and just fell in love with it right from the beginning. So the monastery at that point in our lives was an hour and a half away. So we didn't go every Sunday. 
And we were Roman Catholic at the time. We weren't we weren't Eastern Catholic. So just over, you know, the first, I'd say, couple of years, we started visiting um, regularly. You know, it started out, we'd go every couple of months, and it became once a month, and then it became every week. And eventually, we were confirmed in the Roman Church, but then joined the uh, Eastern Church, started attending the monastery regularly, and Father Nicholas actually married us. And it was just, I don't know, I, I you probably know what I mean, but, you know, when you fall in love with the Eastern Church and you just feel like you're home and that's it. So um, it was a bit of a drive for us in the beginning. So it we didn't go uh, every Sunday, but it, it didn't take long before we did. And the associate program, actually, once the monks had started that, we had already been attending the monastery regularly for, I don't know, several years at that point. So it wasn't really a, it didn't really make a huge difference in how we had already lived our lives. But it was just sort of a, I guess, a next step, a natural step to what we were already doing. And tell us a little bit, you mentioned you get spiritual direction from the dear monks. Is there a difference between spiritual direction, how it works in the East versus the West? If you might know that question, the answer to that at all. I don't know. I'm not sure that I could answer that. Um, Mm -hmm. I certainly know that in the Eastern Church, your relationship to your spiritual father is very important. Yes. I, I guess I don't really know how... The uh, how, how Latin Catholics practice spiritual direction, but um, actually that was one of the lessons that I wrote about was spiritual direction um, for the uh, Catholic yes. Exchange. Um, it, it is it, it's certainly very common in the Eastern Church to have a spiritual father, um, even if you don't attend a monastery regularly. A lot of people will go will go and find a, a monk or a nun to go to for spiritual direction. Usually a family will have the same spiritual director um, so that they can, you know, help help one another to get along better and work issues out and all that good stuff. So it is certainly um, a common thing in the Eastern Church to have to have spiritual directors. I don't know how common it is in the in the West. Getting more common, but yes, it's definitely one of those traditions we're slowly regaining back in the West, I'm glad to say. I've only been given spiritual direction from the West, so I realized when I asked you that question, I didn't know the answer to that either, <laughs> of the differences. So there it is, people, a question I asked that no one knows, but there it is. <laughs> but uh, tell us a little bit about what is spiritual direction? Is it, you said it's all with a monk or a nun, and mm-hmm. it's really, would you say that the goal, it, it's probably similar exactly like it is in the West, but it's to help us to become saints in this lifetime, if I gather that correctly? Um, yes, definitely to have, you know, somebody who's who's uh, outside to, to be able to help you, to lead you closer to God, um, help you work through whatever issues it is that you're having. Certainly spiritual direction and going to confession are different things, which is why you can go to a nun or um, even a monk who isn't a priest or, you know, you could just speak to a regular monk um, for spiritual direction. And yes, that's, that's the goal is for them to help you to draw closer to God and give you, you know, some good advice and Certainly, uh, being a spiritual director is a gift, and uh, finding a good one isn't always that easy, <laughs> but uh, thanks for right. being able to have, have access to some good ones. Uh, I do know that that's a blessing to have. It certainly is. I was very blessed with uh, my spiritual director was Father Peter out in Chicago. I don't know if he's listening or not, but he uh, we had many, many great conversations, and he was he practically saved my life in Chicago, and so if you can't find a spiritual director, I suggest everyone do so. Yes. With regards uh, now, right now, if I recall correctly, you folks are still in the Easter season on the Eastern, right? Yes. Excellent. While you're moving through the Easter period, is there a particular moment within either Great Lent or Easter where you say to yourself, I'm so glad we became Eastern Catholic? You know, we've been... 
I, I, like I said, I was 17 when we started attending the monastery and we became involved, you know, pretty quickly. I don't really think about it. <laughs> I don't think about it like, <laughs> like, oh, I became Eastern Catholic because it ha- happened so long ago at this point. It, it's actually on, you know, being involved with Catholic Exchange and the blog and what have you has had me have a lot more contact with um, Latin Catholics now, which that was actually unusual for me. <laughs> right. So, so, yeah, I don't really think about that. But um, I certainly, you know, as we live through the church year every year, it, it, I do realize and know and see the blessing of having come to the monastery and, and discovering the Eastern Church and what have you. It, it's it's changed completely how I would have how I plan to live my life. That's for sure. And how I would have ever imagined having lived, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, but I don't. I don't think about it so much that, oh, I became Eastern Catholic, over, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Uh, I think for a lot of us uh, folks in the Latin Rite, especially as adult converts, uh, we came Catholic, and then there was a period where we started going, e- go, moving towards the East, so we can always remember those little moments. It's sort of like when you ask a, but I think asking you is sort of like when you ask a, someone who was Catholic from birth, like, when did you, why'd you become Catholic? It's like, I was always Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> kind of been its home, right? <laughs> which is a huge blessing. I'm envious of everyone who can say that, well, either east or west. I'm always envious. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, I see that with my own children, where I have to remind myself sometimes, like that's right, they've grown up this way their whole lives. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, growing up, I had grandparents that were Catholic, so the Catholic Church wasn't unfamiliar to me. But um, well, but I didn't think they were Christians. So. <laughs> You know, I was told that they weren't Christians and they weren't going to heaven, but I wasn't unfamiliar to me. <laughs> I have to ask, what tradition were you raised in that made you think it was they were a, Christian? It was just a non-denominational Protestant um, <laughs> church that we would go to when we went, you know, one of those kind of things. Um, right. So, yeah. <laughs> Life's very different from my childhood at this point. <laughs> oh, oh, I know, I know. A lot of my... Uh, my On my mom's side, which is very Irish, there many of those relatives are Catholic. But we were told, like all my friends thought, well, they're not really Christian, right. <laughs> you know, they're just pretending or whatever our whatever our idea was yes. of what Catholics were. Uh, I don't know if you have much contact with your childhood friends, but I know my childhood friends were really shocked when I became Catholic. Like, really? Why would you do that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are definitely a lot of family members that were that left the Catholic Church. They're like, why would you be? be becoming catholic you know but actually and it's interesting because so many of them have actually come back since then you know over the years my parents Mm. came back to the church and um father nicholas actually just blessed their marriage uh when they were here last summer in the church and uh my brothers and so it's it's been quite a journey (laughs) (laughs) well i'm sure you having access to our to the dear monks at holy resurrection helps with a little bit of evangelization it has helped a bit yes <laughs> excellent and that will actually as a last question how do you see uh evangelization working from as both a wife a mother and also a monastic associate what's your role in evangelization you know that's something again that i, I really haven't thought a whole lot about actually father nicholas recently had said something to me about um, my writing and stuff being a part of the new evangelization. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so I haven't thought about it a whole lot. But, um, you know, I think um, just like with, with the monks' lives, you know, I think uh, the best way to evangelize is just by living your life and um, just being a witness, you know, to Christ working in your lives. And so that's what I try to do. You know, that's what we're trying to do with the blog and with the articles, just um, trying to sh- share 
how Christianity has changed us or how it influences us. And um, I think monasticism is very important to the new evangelization, which is what motivated me to, to write the series because we need to see these examples of Christians who have given everything that they have to following Christ because, like I said, we're, we're all expected to give everything that we have. Um, not being a monk doesn't lessen what, what we're called to. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think a, a lot about evangelizing in the sense of, you know, going out and uh, meeting, you know, new people or doing anything like that, but just, just living our lives and, and uh, letting people see that. And that I agree with 100%. And that's all the time we have today. Jessica, thank you so much for doing this podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you. And I think our listeners will appreciate this as well. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And that was, once again, Jessica Archuleta. She is our regular contributor here at CatholicExchange.com, and you can find her every Wednesday, as well as every home and monastery, and on her Facebook page. God love you all. Thank you for joining us, and have a wonderful week.